0: Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks and now. So hi, it's Karen Rands with the Compassionate Capitalist Video Podcast today. And I wanted to do a video of this particular topic, what is an angel investor? Because it uh, came up to me in a conference call with a business associate on LinkedIn that was trying to figure out ways to get some money for a project. And, you know, as with a lot of entrepreneurs, he was very enthusiastic about his project and, of course, whenever an entrepreneur is enthusiastic about a project, they assume other people are gonna to wanna to put money into it. So uh, I, he asked me, well, what is angel investing? Or what is an angel investor? And I I kind of chuckled. I actually did chuckle out loud. Uh, Cause he's like, you know, he knows that I know this stuff. <laughs> After all, I did write read, read the best selling book on it. Um, And I said, well, how much time you got? (laughs) So let me, if you're first time tuning in on this and you're listening to a podcast or you're watching it on my YouTube channel, um, the reason why I do these kind of topics, the reason why I wrote the book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, the reason why I launched the Compassionate Capitalist Movement as just little old me, Karen Rands, was because if not me, then who? And people really, really needed to understand how they can put their dollars to work to create wealth for themselves, but also have a direct impact on the economy. And when I first started working with angel investors, long time ago, let's just save for that with my roll of my eyes, um, over a decade okay 15 20 years maybe more <laughs> and uh, i started working with them and understanding what how did they think why why did they put their own personal money they write out their own checking account and their investment fund into private companies when there was no guarantee on a return on investment what made them do that and and i came to find out that they felt a sense of responsibility and in in a sense of joy and excitement when they took their wealth, the abundance that they had, and they put it to work helping an entrepreneur succeed that brings an innovation to market, create jobs, and create wealth. And as I talk about in the book, when I talk about the history of angel investing, and I talk about um, the legislative you know the the whole regulatory environment that had created angel investors. Let me, you know, I that's the appendix because it's a lot of a lot of laws have been dealt on this topic for a long time that impact money, and so, you know, it first got started. So let me break it down for you that are new to this whole idea of angel investing, and I realize that not only this one successful businessman needed to understand this because he himself could be an angel investor. That's the whole point. So many people that could be angel investors, you know, wonder what angel investing is because they want to find an angel investor and hello, you could be an angel investor. And this was like this aha moment for him when I broke it down for him. But in order to understand where we are today and, and the opportunity that it presents to people today in in primarily the United States is what I mostly deal with, but really across, around the world, because every state has their variation, every country has their variation of this. So this is um, this is exactly you know where it came to be from the very beginning of time of, of angel investing kind of stuff. It, it happened. It had been happening all along with joint ventures and handshake deals where somebody had a great idea they had a great opportunity if you read Think and Grow Rich and you learn about some of the the very early days of success of a lot of the the starting of the hotel industry, the starting of transportation, the starting of coal mines, the starting of any of those kind of things that were really part of how the United States was formed, it was through investors investing in an entrepreneur that was gonna go do, work really hard to accomplish that with that money because they had the dream and the gumption to go do it. it, it everything that we have that is the infrastructure of our United States is based off of capitalism and that was people investing in ideas and opportunities to to, to progress, right? You know, there's, and then there's a certain thing, yes, there's always a government involved into providing the services that don't produce a return on investment. You don't get a return on investment from a fire department or a police department, but you protect everybody else and everybody's investments and their livelihood and their personhood, you know, with, with those things that are funded by the government. So from the very beginning, that was kind of, that was really what it was all about. And then we had the big stock market crash of the 1920s. And, and that led to the first rules about angel investing when the SEC was formed in 1934. Okay, 1933, Securities Exchange, the, the, the Securities Exchange Commission Act. I may not remember the exact name of it. It's in my book. I'd have to look it up, and you don't want me to pause with that. But in that, back then, those very, very wealthy people Because at that point in time, they they came up with rules of what you had to do as a public. And in order to get investment from people, you had to be a public company because of the the collapse of the financial markets at that time. And so the wealthy came out and said, okay, we, we want to continue to invest in the future of progress, the innovation. We want to be able to do, we want to be able to invest in this and make these deals. The rich get richer, okay. But we want to be able to do this. How do we go about doing this without having to do this public disclosure? And that was what became of the Reg D exemptions, okay. So you got 504, 505, 506, mostly 504 and 506 are what are really around today that were considered the Reg D exemptions. So they were exempted from public disclosure, but they were also prohibited from public solicitation for investment. Okay, so that's kind of how that was. So fast forward to the real launch of the IPO craze and the tech craze with Apple, Microsoft, Intel, all these companies that were part of this this whole tech drive back in the 1980s when these companies went public. Um, Leading up until that time, People that were investing in those companies, it was done behind closed doors. It was done as the SEC intended, based on relationships. And the first angel investor groups got formed in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s, out on the West Coast. I'm not even sure which one was the very first one. Could have been, who knows, Sand Hill. (laughs) It could be uh, Tech Coast. I don't know. But, you know, somebody can look it up. I'm sure if I Googled it. I could get it but anyway the point is is that it started as a private transaction because that's what was legally allowed and so what ended up happening is more people wealthy people realized they could buy stock in a company before it went public primarily that was the thinking but then later on in order to get exits, it would also invest in companies that, before they got bought by one of these big com- big tech companies, or got bought by something else, or a private equity fund, or a hedge fund, or something like that. And so, it was the well the wealthiest of people were the ones that were investing, and they were doing it in these networks, these groups. The SEC finally did uh, did into the 80s and into the 90s. They were looking at um, giving exemptions to this this public solicitation thing because companies would stand up in a dinner meeting or stand up and not just across the table, but they would stand up and present to this group of, of angels. And it was all still very considered closed door when we were doing our events back in, in Atlanta here in the mid early two thousands, when I took over the network of business angels and investors and built it up to be, know one of the most active ones in the southeast and on fortune uh, i guess it's fortune fortune's magazine top 50. uh we were we needed we had outgrown one of the rooms that we were using at the private club that we were having our meetings at and they were we were going to go use this other room but they didn't have doors on it and so part of the rule was if you were having a private meeting you had to have doors i mean we took it literally if it was open in this atrium of this room that was bigger up there then that meant that they had um, it was open to the public to hear that this company was raising capital. And so it was, it was something that we really did, you know, curtail. Now all kinds of organizations have gotten up and had big giant meetings. And we even started doing the Southeast private equity conference. But The rule was of all those companies, you could not say you were raising capital or what you were going to, how much capital you were raising. You were saying, we are looking for financial partners and with, um, with that and and this is what we will do with our financial partners and they could talk about that but they couldn't say they were raising capital they could come come to our table and we'll talk more about it and they would go to their table because we would do a reverse capital connection and then they would be able to tell them what that they were um and tell them that that, you know what they were raising and how they were raising it and talk to them on a one-on-one basis which was legal okay so that's that's the world that we lived in prior to 2010. And then the world changed with the collapse of the real estate market and the financial markets, the Congress needed to do something to spur economic growth and small business because the banks were not loaning any money to small businesses. They, and so it was a two pronged approach. Okay. And this brings back to angel investing. So up until 2010, right, Up until 2010, angel investing was done because somebody knew someone. When I first started working on my, I wrote the predecessor to this book. It was called Learn to Be an Angel Investor. First first it was how to be an angel angel investor. And I used it really as as a funnel, an online internet funnel to get investors to come into my funnel that I could develop this network, which worked quite well, right? I had probably 500 investors around the country we had a hundred odd, some odd that in Atlanta would come fairly regularly to our events. So we always had about 40 people in the room. And uh, and these were all people, a lot of them came as a result of the book. But prior, but prior to that, when I was being uh, Jerry Martin's assistant for the network of business angels and investors, uh, I would meet with these investors and I would say, well, well, how did you become an angel investor? And they would say, oh, well, somebody invited me to a meeting and i was really excited about it and i invested in this company i lost all my money but i wanted to i liked that process and then i started to learn how to do it so they learned by losing they learned by losing how about a horrible way to you got to have enough money that you're comfortable losing 100 grand or something in order to be a you know be an investor and that's one of the reasons why the rules for reg d offerings have these things called private placement memorandums, which is filled with risks. But the SEC has this line in it that's called accredited and unaccredited, which will come back to what happened in 2010. So, accredited investors were those people that individually are making $250,000 or more a year for the last three years, I think it is, and a million dollars in assets, not including their primary residence, and as a, or as a household, $350,000 a year. And so, uh, when when that, uh, and so that was the threshold, and it hadn't really changed because the, the, the main thing that the SEC wanted was these people. They assumed that if they had that much wealth, they were smart enough to know when something was risky. Okay, so to my point, when I was interviewing these these angel investors, and I probably talked to a hundred angel investors before I wrote the first word in my book. Okay, the, or the even the predecessor, and so when you have. Have these people telling you that they learn by losing? Not that many people can learn can learn, lose that afford to lose that much because the average investment by an accredited angel investor in a, in a single entity is two twenty five thousand dollars, and they're supposed to have a plan to do that at least two or three times a year. So that's three investments $75,000 to one hundred thousand dollars a year, and it shouldn't be more than on general they don't do more than ten or fifteen percent of their discretionary investment portfolio. So typically these people are well over a million dollars. And you know they, the thing that you have to understand is most of the ones that are are that 25K, they're trying to become a $10 million there, not just a millionaire. They're trying to become a 10 millionaire or a 20 millionaire, right? They're trying to make those investments to become much bigger because when it's big, it's really big, all right? So this guy asked me, what is an angel investor? And, I, and the reason why I laughed was because it has changed. The technical definition of an accredited investor and what most people think of as angel investors is true that it's that 25K of an individual investment typically making investing 100K a year um, and a minimum 50K a year with the intention to do that every year for at least 5 years right in my book i say minimum of 6 investments but that's cuz i didn't want to scare anybody away really you should have a plan to make 10 investments that's part of the formula that i provide in the resource portal on the book okay is how do you come up with your formula of how you can afford to invest so 2010 we're at the what what was the pop of the bubble that that started the great recession and congress is is hearing from, and at that time, you think about it, crowdfunding was this crazy stuff that was going on. And all this money was going into these companies to bring products to market and reward-based, right? And people would go, what is up with that? And we had all these small businesses. And, and, and my group, I ended up sunsetting my group because my angels that had liquidity had their money on the sidelines. They weren't making an investment. That's one I, when I rebooted the Southeast Private Equity Podcast, Spec Radio, to be the Compassionate Capitalist podcast because I knew, I, this is 2010, I knew I needed to, to try to compel people to put their money to work in entrepreneurism. I needed to get that point out there, you know? And it's 10 years later, it's still not out there, so I need your help to help me get that word out there. If you're watching this or listening to this, Compassionate Capitalism, Angel Investing, it needs to be part of everybody's portfolio everybody that has any form of discretionary income. And here's the reason why. So crowdfunding is happening. If you think about all these things that we have is going to try to find my, my widget stick, but all these things that are out of the marketplace now that we take for granted, right? We take for granted smartwatches, drones. You see, it's not a surprise to see a drone at the park or above the lake or out of March, I was at the Martin Luther King Day March, leading the cheer from the back of the trailer that we were doing, and there was a drone following me the entire time. I was waving at it, talking to it. I still haven't found that video on it, but there was a drone following me. It was not unusual, right? It's not unusual to see a drone nowadays. 3D printers, you can get 3D printers pretty cheap. I remember when they were first coming out. So you think about this, even VR headsets, okay? All of this technology that we take for granted today, in 2020. Back in 2010, those companies were getting millions of dollars of capital in exchange for product, to bring product to market, reward-based. The people that invested that that money in those companies never saw a stitch of a return on investment when that company went on to sell, like the VR company, to Facebook for $300 million. Or the first smartwatch that got about 20 million dollars of vc capital went into the marketplace sold for i don't know how much you know all of the things all of the success that have come out of that technology all those people those hundreds of thousands of people that invested hundred dollars five hundred dollars five thousand dollars didn't see any return on investment they got a product all right so our government looked at that the congress looked at that and said hey So we could, we might be able to do, to birth two birds with one stone, not kill any birds here today, birth two birds with one stone by creating it, taking away this rule of general solicitation that had been set up and by design by the wealthiest people in, in America to allow them continue to to create wealth in secret, in private. And yes, it was because it was a burdensome to disclose all this information, but they had in order to disclose that information to make it available to non rich people, which may not be able to withstand the loss. If they were to make this what seems like a great investment, but is risky, then they too, you know, then they could lose it with the impact of that loss would be greater than the impact of a wealthy person's loss. Right? So, So they said, but if we remove this general solicitation rule, not only can entrepreneurs solicit like they do for crowdfunding to be able to get money out there from investors, potential investors, and investors that aren't just these wealthy people in secret private meetings. They could get they those people that have lost so much of their retirement out of the or their real estate holdings that they were planning on you know, being able to sell later on or the stock market that they were able to sell later on. That's the stock market collapse. It took 10 years for it to come back. Real estate is still, some places it still hasn't fully recovered in 10 years, okay? But they could get a piece of the American dream, that entrepreneur American dream, because if you think about it, the greatest sources of wealth and the generational wealth that has been created in the United States has primarily been done through entrepreneurship. Yes, there's been some done in real estate, but those were people that were entrepreneur real estate. They developed things, they created things with their, they didn't just buy and sell real estate. Okay, so people that create things are rewarded in our capitalist society because people that want to help them create things and provide the financial capital that they need to create things can also reap the financial rewards of that as well. And so, if you prohibit an entire class of people, like 95%, 90% of the population cannot participate in that, then you are intentionally keeping, except for them to go out and become an entrepreneur and then go beg money from one of these super rich people that they have to know or get into a private meeting with through the gauntlet of angel investor groups and what they they screen, then you need to then then you know that there 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 isn't an opportunity for everybody else that doesn't have the ability to create something and become an entrepreneur or the ability to invest in them. So it was the great economic democratization, the Jobs Act of 2012. Okay, The Jobs Act 2012, and here eight years later, it took a while, took about till 2015 for all the rules to come out, so even five years later, there is still so much lack of information and knowledge out there about what crowdfunding is and what angel investing is. Amazing to me, I wrote the book in order to be a primer for people that I thought would just be coming out of the woodwork to invest in these crowdfunding companies, not just Reg CF, invest in all these companies, I thought they'd be coming out of the woodwork, and they still don't know. We still have, in America, based off of a W-2 income, okay, a W-2 statement, there's a, depending on which list you look at, there's anywhere from 3 million to 7 million accredited investors in the United States, and less than 5% of those, so that's even less than 1% of our total population, but less than 5% of those people that are making that kind of accredited, that kind of money. They're making more than three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year, and they're not angel investors. I thought for sure those people would want to. Plus, all the other people that, you know, they're just, they're just, they just think differently. When I was running a, a workshop on my, on angel investing, comparing it to, you can go to Facebook Live and find it. The, the, the I had to redo it because the, the video on it is horrible, but the content's good. Uh, When you, when I was doing this workshop on comparing angel investing or investing in private companies before they go public and get bought with stock market investing and real estate investing and Bitcoin investing, come to find out my audience was millennials that were working for tech companies making $200,000 a year, $180,000 a year and wanted to figure out how to invest in crowdfunding companies. I was like, wow, okay, that's cool. I hadn't even thought of it. It's not really the audience for my book. My book is for those execs that are too busy on planes or with family or whatever, geographically can't be a part of an angel group. And so how to go about creating your own system for evaluating or getting involved in systems for evaluating deals. You got to, if you can't be a part of a group, there is a value in groups because of the way they do get to screen and they do get to do due diligence on these companies versus your own. But there's other ways to set up how to do that. So I recommend getting the book, all right? Of course I do. Uh, Then angel investing. I am redefining angel investing as anybody that invests in a private company gets equity for money in a private company, okay? Or provides bridge financing or royalty, uh, revenue financing to a company, the revenue factor financing, whether they invest in cash out of their own checking account or through a self-directed IRA, which is, I've done lots of podcasts on that. Any of those things, they are angel investors. Now there's accredited investors and unaccredited investors, which I've already covered. But other than that, they're an angel investor as far as I'm concerned. And so there are so many ways that, that people can play at whatever income they are so jason kakonis i'll add this point he wrote wings of an angel uh that's a uh, on the wings of an angel i think it's his book about his experience as an angel investor angel investor and he was interviewing on his podcast uh the founder of seed invest and and jason says you know what um if if I could do it over and knowing what I know now, and if I was 20 years old now, when I started my first company, instead of starting my first company, I would have gone and got a corporate gig for a regular paycheck and benefits in today's society. And and it would take me, a lot of times it takes five years to get vested in a 401k. So I would take $500 a month out of my paycheck or whatever I get for, but like 500 is a nice round number. And I would put it into a reg CF company every month, and at the end of five years, when I would be considered vested at this company, I would have invested 60 times, $500, that's $30,000, right, and so I would have $30,000 invested in 60 companies, and if you just do the normal math that VCs and angel investors and everybody uses, in general, it's socially acceptable, business acceptable, That out of 10 investments, you're going to have three that totally go under, you lose all your money. You're going to have three that do okay, you'll get your money back and a little extra. You're going to have three that are kind of like doubles, you'll probably get double or triple your money back on those. And then you're going to have one that's going to hit it out of the park, and they're going to be like all the others. So if you do the number on 60, we do that same number on 60. That means you've had five, that your $500 return, $10,000, $10,000, let's say, right? And the ones that were just did base hits, they returned $2,000, let's say, or $1,500. $500 became $1,500. Three times, you're not money. That's more than you get on the stock market. That's more than you get usually on real estate, definitely within five years, okay? You know, and then the rest is what it is. But you think about so you invested $30,000 and you made, and we use that first example five times. So you made you made um, two hundred fifty thousand dollars on the five that hit it, and you made um, what do we say twenty five hundred on fifteen others. Let's use the math. So I can do a better math. Three thousand, all right? Or I'll just go down to two thousand times fifteen. Another thirty thousand, right? So now you have made two hundred eighty thousand dollars on your thirty thousand dollar investment across sixty companies. That's how it works. That's how investing in entrepreneurs works, all right? And if you, and the ones that have more money, the ones that are accredited investors, the rules for Reg so there's four ways, four ways to invest in private companies. You can reg A plus, that are that are general soliciting Reggae plus, that means people can raise up to $50 million. And I'm gonna come into this later in my second part of this, which is about crowdfunding. But they're just gonna tell you right now Reggae Plus, accredited and unaccredited, 506C, which is the split of the Reg D 506, so there's B and C, 506C, okay, only accredited investors, Reg C F, which is sort of like your reward-based crowdfunding stuff. Um, that is, uh, it's it's like a it's like a Kickstarter for that's seed invest and these guys you know micro ventures anyway they're they're Reg CF okay so Reg crowdfunding that's a new completely new regulation on that and then interest state so every state now has some law that allows investors in a state to invest in companies in that state through general solicitation accredited and unaccredited. SEC modified the Reg D-504 rules to be able to accommodate the interest rate, So they can raise up to $5 million on the interest rate. Reg CF is up to a million dollars. Reg 506B unli- is unlimited. Reg A-plus is up to $50 million. But in three places, whether you're accredited or unaccredited, you can participate in those opportunities. Then it all becomes, how do you do it? So the first step you have to do is say, you know what? I want, yes, I want to invest in real estate. Yes, I want to invest in stock, but yes, I am going to invest in entrepreneurs. And then you need to go about figuring how much, over what period of time, how are you going to play with that? And if you're really nervous about it, if you're not that sophisticated when it comes to understanding financial ratios and balance sheets and And some of those kind of things and business models. Maybe you're focused. You know a certain industry. Well, you focus on that industry that you know. And that's another thing I talk about in book. I create a we create a um, a score sheet based on your own experience and knowledge as to how you go about making these and evaluating these companies. Okay, so an angel investor is anyone that is investing their private own money into. Entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation, to market, create jobs, and create wealth. Or they're also investing in the passion of the opportunity within a certain area, or within a certain geography that might be a local small business that has an opportunity to grow. We had that here, right here in Peachtree City, when a group of angel investors came together with about ten. Most of them only put ten thousand dollars in each, but they built a brewery here in Peachtree City that is. Going like gangbusters and getting ready to expand into a second location, right? Those were angel investors. They're getting annuity checks. They're getting a piece of the revenue out of that right now. See, so those are all. Those are also angel investors, right? So there's all kinds of ways to participate in that, and and how to play. You just have to um, get the knowledge and inc- increase your financial IQ. And uh, you know, when you buy the book, if you sign up on the re- resource page you'll get into the email system from me. So you could ask me a question anytime. You could post a question right here and I'll answer it. So I could talk on this all day long, but I need to wrap this puppy up and say, thank you very much for watching and tuning in. Get the next one, which is going to be on crowdfunding. And how do you use these four ways of generalization to raise money when you're trying to start up or scale a business with that Kara Rands here. Good. Please go to karenrands.co and learn all about how we help entrepreneurs get access to capital, debt, and equity. we got some great programs that will get you working capital loans as well as angel investors, crafting those plans. And also for angel investors, I help angel investors do due diligence on companies and evaluate if they're, once they've made a decision that they want to start in angel investing, how do they pick the deals? How How do they rate them? So with that, onwards and upwards, thanks for tuning in.